Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Leela. And, and we, we are, are Both and. and. A podcast dedicated to giving a voice to the multiracial experience in America by discussing relevant topics in a safe space. Happy whatever Monday, multiracial something or other. Time is false. It's not real. That's what I learned during our stint with the coronavirus. Beth, it's good to see you and be in your presence. Hey, Leela. <laughs> For all of you listeners out there. Uh, Leela and my state is now in phase two. Ooh. We're allowed to gather in groups of 25 or less. So we figured mm-hmm. two people would be safe. We are hoping we're safe right now. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. Right as we said, we we're going to do a monthly <laughs> release of our podcast. Everything went crazy. Yep. And I don't know about you. I got I, I got sick a little bit at the beginning of you March. You had a regular flu at the I beginning. Yes, a regular so we, flu. We shut down production for a hot minute mm-hmm. just in case. Yeah, and my work told me to stay home. So I had a nice two months of working from home. Yep, then shelter in place <sighs> happened. And uh, I was still, I'm an essential employee. So I was still going into work. Mm-hmm. Have to wear face masks, get screen at the door. Because um, I'm still in contact with uh, the children and teens at mm. my hospital. So... Oh my gosh, you know what? Thank you for your service. <laughs> I didn't think, because you're a frontline worker. You're essential. You're in there. You're dealing with these teens. I know it's not, you're not a nurse or anything like no, that. I'm not but a nurse. still, it's important. Thank you. But yeah, so sorry, listeners. We figured we should take a little hiatus for safety mm-hmm. and recoup as we were figuring out, because we had no idea how long this was going to be. That's right. Like, who knew? And who knew in 2020 we would have another uproar? Of racial tensions and calls for justice and a revolution. Like, we're here again. We are here again. Yep. Been here before. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it before. Yeah. And listeners, we'll tell you what. This might be a long episode because we're just processing out um, things. But as you all are probably aware, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably aware of what has been going on in the world with mm-hmm. the deaths of Ahmad Arbery, Breonna Taylor, George, George Floyd. Floyd. So, yeah, so we know you guys pretty much know what's going on. And there has been um, a righteous uproar, I mm-hmm. feel, righteous anger coming to the surface. Mm-hmm. People, I don't know if it's the perfect storm. People have said that. I've heard that. It's the perfect storm of we're getting out of quarantine and it's the summer and people are mad. Or it's just a new iteration of a tale as old as American history of black people and when i say black people i mean people of color i don't just mean african americans Mm. i mean your skin is dark and because of that you've been you've experienced some form of racism in this country because let's be honest people who are racist will not take the time Mm. to discern whether someone is african american or insert any other race with dark skin here yeah or if they're asian american and take the time to be like, is that a Japanese American, a Chinese American, mm. Korean, or, or we'll just talk, an American? We'll talk more about that next time. Yes, we will. Um, so, yeah, so there has been a lot going on. And while we mm-hmm. have addressed, I think, things in the past, a lot of this, we will post some throwback episodes. So we're not going to rehash the same old stuff. But what we really want to talk about today is like the things that are, are new or the n- different things we've been encountering. Um, yeah. with everything going on. So a lot of the conversations I've been having with people, um, I've heard my husband have with people. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are saying, I just don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, I've been talking to a lot of my friends, um, who are white or 
white passing and they just want, they're just asking, how do I be an ally? Mm-hmm. Um, my brother even asked me that and he doesn't, he's not really that white passing, but mm. he recognizes that there's a need specifically right now to support the black community. Mm-hmm. And so he asked, how do I be an ally? And so listeners, we do have a whole episode on yep. allyship that I would encourage you to go back and listen to. We have a whole episode on multiracial identity development, but we compare that to monoracial identity mm-hmm. development. So if you're multiracial, if you're monoracial majority white or monoracial majority black, that information is also covered in a previous episode. So I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that because we're not going to recover that now. Mm-hmm. Like Lila said, we want to talk more about the different sentiments and feelings this is stirring up new approaches to things and how people are thinking, feeling, and reacting to that. And we hope that our everything that we process and um, how we're processing that as multiracials is helpful to you as you continue to process your voice, your experience, your part in this. Mm-hmm. So I would say just going back a little bit, my everything restarted. The, I, would, I call it the cycle. So mm-hmm. there is uh, unjustified black death that mm-hmm. happens usually due to police brutality um, or white supremacy that happens. And it's an injustice for sure. Mm-hmm. So at some point in time, this is my cycle. It enters into my life. It stops. It interrupts everything else. Yeah. I have sadness. That mm-hmm. sadness turns into anger. That anger turns into action. And that will manifest in whether that's a march, whether that's um, policy, like being held up on or getting caught up on uh, local policies, mm-hmm. voting, conversation with friends, something like that. I try to process it. And then my life kind of goes back to the normal. It, it kind of compounds, I would say. Yeah. Like it's something that I'm just it always feels like it's with me, but it's not always at the forefront of my mind. When we first found out about Ahmad Aubrey, I was in my bed on Twitter, waking up in the morning. Mm, and What a way to start your day. I know. And usually I don't start my day with Twitter. I don't That's... know what it was. I think it was like I was transitioning back to work. My routine was all off. Um, and I saw the hashtag first. Then I saw the video And it just like completely threw my day off. Mm -hmm. So then I started talking to my safe, close circle. Did you see this? Have you heard this? What is this? You know, Mm -hmm. you're just trying to gather information because I think in that space, there's people will be quick to say, well, he or she was doing this and that wrong and da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that's part of anybody else's process, but I immediately try to gather as much information because I have to go through the emotional toll of defending a human life against some injustice you know yeah um so yeah it went through the normal cycles in that way and then george floyd happened and that Mm -hmm. time i was at work um when i saw that hashtag and started seeing that and also once again like watch the video i am i know different people have different perspectives on this Mm -hmm. but it to me it honors that person to watch like i will always watch the video i'll be honest with you i pick and choose the videos i watch Hmm. i am not black Mm-hmm. And I try my hardest not to appropriate anything that is. Yeah. Um, especially out of respect for my husband, who is black. Yeah. Um, I saw the George Floyd video. I've seen the Eric Garner video. Mm-hmm. I will not watch the Ahmaud Arbery video because that one that one affected me the most. Yeah. As the wife of a twenty-something-year-old black man mm-hmm. who is 
currently training for a marathon. Yeah. And so every morning when he goes for a run, I don't want to live in fear that he's not coming home. Mm-hmm. And so I, I heard, I read about what happened to Ahmad before I saw it. Mm-hmm. I saw the George Floyd video before I read about it. Yeah. Um, and so I just knew for myself and for my mental health and for my ability to support my husband and not letting fear take something from our quality of life, mm-hmm. I knew I couldn't. That's a really strong position. I think that's a wise position. I have to view each video on an individual basis. Yeah. Yeah, so. that, that's fair. Um, and as we were talking about it, I know Twitter has now made changes where, and Facebook too, where it says sensitive content. Mm-hmm. Uh, content. I don't think I, re- I did not know what I was watching when I watched the Ahmad video first. Mm-hmm. I didn't learn about Ahmad and then see the video. I saw the video because yeah. someone's like somebody posted, "Can you believe this?" And I was like, "Oh, what is it? Is it a cool new dance craze? Like, what? <laughs> what are we doing? Everybody's doing something crazy during quarantine." And it, it turned out to be that, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think that just the shock of it for all the videos, I think for me, helps ground me in that when people try to argue against or say, well, what did they do? Um, uh, why didn't they listen? What, like whenever those stupid phrases come into a conversation, I still have the pain yeah. of the video, like in my mind, like, yeah. I don't care what you did. Like you did not deserve that. So, yeah. Like, uh, I haven't seen it qualifiers. Mm-hmm. I'll probably watch it eventually. Um, what are you talking about? But the friends, I read the summary of the Candace Owens most recent video. Oh. Um, and I've gotten the cliff notes from a trusted friend who watched it and gave me an objective cliff notes. Basically, when Candace Owens was talking about why George Floyd should not be martyred, why he shouldn't be the, the face of this movement um, because of his criminal activity. Okay. But either way, yes. He may have deserved to be arrested, Hmm. but he didn't deserve to be killed before his trial, before his and his rights Mm -hmm. were violated in that. Yeah. And he was very dehumanized in that. Mm -hmm. I have a a friend, um, her husband, they're a white couple. Her husband is a cop. Mm -hmm. He worked this uh, public housing block. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, I've seen it firsthand. He's like, I came from a very rich neighborhood and a very good upbringing, and I recognize I have privilege as a white man with my socioeconomic status and even as a cop, Mm -hmm. but I've seen the systematic oppression of this. And let me tell you, I watched that George Floyd video, and that is not how that hold is supposed to be. He's like, I've been punished for leaving. He said a perp. This is a direct quote. He said, Mm -hmm. I've been punished, and I've been received punitive measures Mm -hmm. for leaving a perp handcuffed on their stomach for too long. Hmm. on the ground with no one even touching them Wow. or around. Yeah. And so for that to happen, that's a gross misuse and abuse of power. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, and he said, I'll be honest, police haven't been trained enough. We only get six months of training. He's like, I looked it up. It takes 10 months to become a barber, yeah. only six months to become a cop. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, we're really under trained. It's like, I've had the, the privilege of having really good mentors. Yeah. And he explained to me what the specific, hold you're supposed to do is like you're supposed to have your your knee on a specific set of vertebrae on the lower back Mm -hmm. because he said then that forces all of your weight to be on your leg that's not on the person's body yeah so he said everything about that video shows that that person was breaking protocol Mm -hmm. and he said so and that's a huge breakdown in the power 
differential in the system and authority. Yeah. It's just wrong. It is wrong. And it's in the video for George Floyd. For those who watch it, you'll be familiar. But the people who were recording, too, were coming to the defense of Mr. Floyd and were like, stop. Like, what are you doing? And this, (laughs) if uh, if we're going to talk about things that are new this time around, because literally, guys, we've been here before. We were here with Eric Garner. We were here with Mike Brown. Mm -hmm. We were here with the Million Man March with MLK, like, and every anniversary march that there has been since that time, because there have been marches where, like, million. I don't know if millions, I don't know the exact number, where many people showed up and protested and made their voices heard, and we've had riots, we've had um, peaceful gatherings that turned into riots for whatever reason, you know, like, we've done all this before. So I do think there is a lot of conversation around this, like this this time i don't necessarily know if it's different um but i know at least for me i am in a lot more conversation mm-hmm. and i am trying to educate as much i have had people yeah. be very open to being educated and that's been great but one of the things i just wanted to somebody said to me going back to the video they were like why didn't those people do anything like we need to stop recording and we need to jump like we need to do something i what are your reactions to that because i have a very my gut reaction to hearing that statement is Mm. but they have guns and i don't exactly and also i think my reaction was what privilege you have to think that you could intervene in this situation and not be harmed because people did in the video there were like four people on the sidewalk yelling at the officers a white woman even even the power of a white woman couldn't save george floyd because she was she came up and said she was an emt or uh yeah an emt or a firefighter or something like that with some sort of basic medical training yes and was like you need to check his pulse what are you doing check his pulse and anytime somebody tried to step off the curb to even get close enough to intervene the other cop that was in the video would their hands would Mm -hmm. reach for their belt. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what are you, are you grabbing a mace taser or a gun at this point? We don't know. You're killing a man in front of us, you know? Yeah. So, and think about the fear that that strikes into somebody and neurologically in the brain, you go into fight or flight, Mm -hmm. the amygdala is on high alert. So you're not processing everything in your prefrontal cortex, which is higher order thinking. And so in that moment, your instincts are, your brain is literally telling you do anything you can to survive. Mm -hmm. And so for those people to have enough wherewithal to videotape that and to yell those things, Mm -hmm. that in and of itself is amazing biologically and neurologically. Yeah. Cause as a petite female mm-hmm. my female minority lack of male privilege mm-hmm. would be if they're doing that to a full-grown man what would they do to me exactly and would and if you were the run, one recording is somebody going to record you like mm-hmm. we know this stuff i mean we know there's a history here a pattern yeah. there is a like a system of brutality against brown bodies if you don't know about it watch 13th on Netflix mm-hmm. pick up a book any of the anti-racism resources that are out Just Mercy is free on Apple t- movies for the rest yep. of June Selma just became free too for the rest of June so check that one out mm-hmm. but i think there's just i don't know this has happened. Even the language now is so similar to yeah. I can't breathe. Yep. And it just, 
it's an injustice and it's heavy mm-hmm. and I feel so sad and so weary and worn. Mm-hmm. But I think what I'm noticing is that people are sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if this might be a little bit more of a cynical take because they are and they're more aware and we have the internet now. They've seen the videos, they're reading the news, they're educating themselves, but they're also using their dollars where Mm. like the power we have is in our purse, (laughs) is in our pocket. In capitalist America, that is a true fact. Right. And I think something that I've seen that's different is a bunch of brands coming out. Mm -hmm. And I think because I think people are going and saying, what what are you saying to this? What would you do about this? And I've noticed a lot of brands like coming out with these empathetic spins of like we stand with Black Lives Matter, which I hope is true. Like, don't just stand. Don't just do this for publicity stunt. Yes. NFL. When the NFL put a Black Lives Matter post out, I was like, if there was a standing structure to be burned to the ground. <sighs> Colin Kaepernick is rolling over in his bed. Right. He's like, still alive. He doesn't have a grave. Yeah. <laughs> He's just rolling over. Um, so things like that, I think we just have to keep our discernment on high alert. Mm-hmm. We have to... Be wise with your dollars. If, mm-hmm. if you feel compelled to donate to anything, definitely do your research. Yeah. Don't just give blindly. Um, don't do a buckshot approach. Be very mm-hmm. specific. I yeah. would say have a, a narrowed focus. Focus on your community. Yep. What power and influence you have right around you. Mm-hmm. And have have the hard conversations. Everybody keeps saying this, but actually do it. And I know different people have different responses to that. I think black people have this ongoing trauma that deals with racism. Mm-hmm. And they're tired. I know that I've felt that exhaustion where I can't even focus at work some days. Yeah. But there is something so important that if somebody breaks their silence and comes to you and wants to know more, like if that's a trusted person in your circle, in your in your circle, I'm not mm-hmm. talking about those Joe people Schmo. from high school who are just popping up who haven't talked to you since the yeah. ten year reunion or whatever. We're not having that. No. Um, when those people, the good people in your life, the friends, the family, community, want to know more, I think it is imperative that we tell them and let them listen because they've broken their silence, and still to this day we have people that are just. They're not saying a word. And it's who knows what that means. And as a therapist, I'm going to say, I know that telling your trauma narrative is so draining. And if you haven't dealt with that, if you've just been suffering in silence or pushing that down, then be really mindful about who you choose to process that with you, because that can drain you faster than it can um, to really help be truly therapeutic now if you have processed that in safeness and security um, and you want to talk to people but you're tired find do self-care refuel Um, my husband and I uh, we've I think the phrase we've been using a lot is I just want to feel grounded again Mm. like Lila said one tweet one Instagram post, heck, even one 15-second Instagram story yeah. can throw us into an emotional, spiritual, intellectual tailspin. Mm-hmm. And so we've specifically uh, set time limits mm-hmm. on our social media apps. So at the, a certain point at night, they turn off so we can reset and do self-care before the following day. Wow. Find what works for you. Do something to help keep your joy in your life and your day-to-day 
so that when it's time to tell your story and you're ready to Mm -hmm. never tell your story before you're ready to, because that can become a a traumatic experience in and of itself, Mm. then, then do so, but do so in safety and security. Um, and I, and with that too, I've had, (laughs) it's, the Lord has blessed me with the people that are in my life. One, my new therapist. <laughs> not Beth. Beth is not my therapist, no, but I'm that's also blessed. Super unethical. By, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm blessed by the people that are in my life because my therapist did tell me, like, you need to rest. Like, you need yeah, to yeah, yeah. disengage. She was like, take off the cape mm-hmm. and, like, just rest. And I came up with my own mantras, like, when I rest, I am my best. Like, Ooh. because I get burned out, man. And that's I, real. I just get so tired. And then I'm very snippy and I'm like going to people's Facebook comments just mm-hmm. to fight. Um, trying to get people to show up for a meet and beat, which is when you meet them and you beat them up. <laughs> <laughs> Not anything I've ever done, but I definitely saw it on Twitter and thought it was funny. But also, my friend Travis, who told me, Joy is resilient. And like, Mm. the black story in America is not just of oppression. No. It's just, and it's not just death by the hands of inexperienced cops or by white supremacy. Like we have these full rich lives that I like, that's how I, that's how we win Mm. is by remembering the wholeness of who we are. So, yeah, so it's definitely a balance of, I mean, fighting racism, fighting white supremacy will always be a part of my life. Mm -hmm. Advocating for the multiracial will always be a part of my life and for multiracial just identity development, because I think it's really important here. Um, And especially right now, I think multiracial people have had um, a say in, or at least from what I've seen on Instagram, <laughs> of, have had a say of saying, this is something worth fighting for. Hmm. Like, Black Lives Matter. This is how I'm stepping up. But also, like, telling other people in a monoracial culture, do not shout down people who are brand new to this. Mm-hmm. Because that doesn't help. Like, I see a lot of people talking, like, basically calling each other out and, like, hmm. I don't know. It's like, Sally, if you're brand new to this, you can't go over to Susie's house and be like, you need to do this, this, and this. Or you can't let your anger overtake you to the point that it is now hurting a movement more than -hmm. it's helping. Um, So I think multiracial people, because we've been in both spaces, we've been in multiple communities and like have very diverse upbringing and um, perspective can advocate for both. So how have you been experiencing... Ahmad, Brianna, George, mm-hmm. as a multiracial woman who is both black and white? Good question. And I'm going to try to be vulnerable right here. So I, th- with every death, I feel, I like feel it. Mm-hmm. And it like, it punches me in the gut and it like takes my breath away mm-hmm. and it makes me mad and it makes me sad. Um, and a bunch of other things. There's also a part of me that I think how we've talked about identity before and how the multiracial identity is fluid of today I'm identifying as multiracial. Today I'm like identifying as black. I think I fall into the safety of being like fully in my black identity. Mm. So it's not. I think I'm doing better this time around as Mm. a multiracial person and leaning into that. But in the past, I or 
I, there have been days where I'm like, you will not tell me that this isn't real. Like I'm a person of color. Mm -hmm. Like you're not going to discount my experience. And I think people in this, who are you talking to in that instance? There have been multiple conversations on Instagram. (laughs) No, I mean, who is the demographic of people you're talking to when they're trying to discount? So white people are trying to discount your experience. Yes. That's interesting. I have a friend who's at work slash church it's amazing. I work with a fellow church member. Hmm. Um, I have a friend who is both black and white also, mm-hmm. and maybe also Latina. Hmm. That's unsure. Um, she's waiting to get her ancestry results back. Nice. Um, <laughs> but she has felt unaccepted in the black community for most of her life, hmm. being both and. Yeah. And she's like, I've, I've experienced, she told me we we're trying to, we were trying to talk about uh, current events. And she was like, I don't think I want to talk about it because black people don't want to hear what I have to say. Mm-hmm. They discount my experience. I've experienced the most prejudice and discrimination from black people. Wow. And white people have been more accepting of me than black people. Mm. And she is no more white passing than you are. Oh, wow. Layla. Oh my gosh. And so people have pushed her out and she was like, so they don't want to hear what I have to say. So I'm not going to say anything at all. Hmm. Um, and so it's interesting that her experience as a minority also yeah. has been discounted by Dang. the black community. Shoot. <laughs> and that can be the rub. <laughs> I feel like living in the both and space, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know. I'm not going to say like I gathered this confidence on my own. Like it has been, I want to say something and then I will ask uh, like a fully monoracial black person. And it's, t- it's taken a couple of times, but I feel very comfortable now Good. that they have told me like your experience is the black experience. Like you can speak mm-hmm. to this. And I think that's been, I've had that enough now that I do like, I feel confident and comfortable. And if somebody did try to shout me down, I would try to figure out why, mm-hmm. because I know there is colorism in this world. Like mm-hmm. I know, like I, at one, actually I'm in the middle of a conversation where somebody wanted to hear from dark um, skinned black people mm-hmm. and they, and somebody were connected me and they were like, Oh, you should talk to this person. And I was like, well, I know I'm light skinned mm-hmm. and I do not want to take the place or like, I do not want to take somebody's space if they are looking specifically for dark skinned people, you know, because we know that they even. Yeah, it's similar but different. Yeah. But I recognize that in myself to step back when I need to and to listen. Mm-hmm. I like what Dr. Anita Hill, uh, she's somebody I recently found on Instagram mm-hmm. says when when somebody lashes out at you, you don't say why you say what happened to them. So if somebody was lashing out at me for my multiracial upbringing before I would ask why, but now I ask what happened to them? Mm-hmm. What have they experienced that I haven't experienced that is still just as valid? Mm-hmm. And how can I in relationship with them, hopefully tear down those walls, you know, yeah. but that's hard. <laughs> <laughs> None of what we're talking about is easy. No, but we've mentioned it before in our allyship episode, I believe that you and I specifically want to use our both and platform to be bridge builders. Mm -hmm. And I have really felt that personally. I have no immediate claims to the black community. Hmm. My husband's black. Mm -hmm. 
but I'm not going to be like, oh my gosh, guys, I feel your pain because my husband's black. Yeah. No, I don't. Mm -hmm. No one is going to look at me and treat me the same way that they treat you Mm. or that they treat my husband. Yeah. But it still affects my home. Mm. It still affects my family. It's going to affect my future kids. Yeah. Um, But because, so at work, a lot of my black coworkers have conversations amongst themselves and they don't want to include me in them. Mm -hmm. They don't want my allyship or my support. And I see that right now what happened Mm -hmm. is that they're hurting and they're withdrawing into their inner circle. And I recognize that I'm not in their inner circle and I can't view that as full rejection. I got to view that as them establishing safety before they're ready to come back. And I'm Mm -hmm. going to keep trying and keep offering my allyship, but I can't just sit in my rejection um, and I felt tempted to of like, oh my gosh, nobody wants my help. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. Yeah. But like this still affects my home. It still affects my husband. It's going to affect my future kids one day. Yeah. And it was interesting because I have a really good friend and she, she's black. And I was just, I didn't know. I saw her hurting and I'm in one of her inner circles. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know how to support her in that because in the past we've kind of had different, similar but different views on race. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know how to love her right now because hmm. I don't know if she's ready for me to. Yeah. I think she wants my allyship, but I don't think she, where I felt the distance was, I didn't feel like she was my ally as a fellow minority person mm-hmm. because she didn't view that I needed an ally hmm. and that she will only be an ally to me when I have kids and I am raising children who look like her children. Interesting. Wow. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to sit in this rejection and I'm just going to be silent because I don't know what to do. I'm going to support my husband. I'm going to support Leela. I'm going to support the immediate people. But uh, if people don't want my help, I can't force it on them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think after observing the news, local organizations in our community, there are some people who want allies. There are some groups they want allies. They want equality for all. They want to make change. Mm -hmm. And there are other groups that don't. Yeah. They want to topple the white majority mm-hmm. and bring them down and then raise another minority group to become the majority. Which we do not support. Well, no, we don't support. But <laughs> I, don't I see support that any supremacy in any form except the supremacy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I see that there are multiple voices and multiple groups. Mm-hmm. And that I also, that also overwhelmed me because I was like, I know what. I think and what I believe and what mm-hmm. I support is equality for all. Yeah. And right now, I'm loving the posts that explain Black Lives Matter. For my All Lives Matter folks, when the Boston Marathon was bombed, everyone's profile picture went Boston strong. Nobody said all cities are strong. When Las Vegas shooting happened, people changed their profiles, stand with Vegas. Nobody says, well, what about the people that got shot in my city? Mm. Uh, have you ever seen someone counter a breast cancer post with what about colon cancer? But for some reason, if someone says Black Lives Matter, it turns it into all-inclusive, all lives matter. It's not not an either-or proclamation. When there's a crisis, we've always rallied around that particular group. It doesn't discredit or diminish any other group. It just brings awareness and support to the group that needs attention. Mm -hmm. And so I think, yes, I'm a proponent for equality for all. But I see the need that Black Lives need support most now because of the systematic racism and oppression Mm -hmm. that is built into our country. And so I felt overwhelmed at first. Like I know what I think and believe, but I Mm -hmm. don't know. It's hard for me to discern what other people think and believe and how to participate and whatnot. 
But my mother-in-law, we talk, my husband and I talked to my mother-in-law, who was alive. She was a child. She's not that old. She's very young. She mm-hmm. looks amazing. She's kicking it, doing mm-hmm. all, all good things. She's from middle of nowheresville in the south mm-hmm. she was alive during mlk and malcolm x as wow. a child um, she has stories that would bring anyone to tears and she was kind of talking us through that and she was like you know what yeah there were people there were multiple voices besides mlk besides mm-hmm. dr king and and the black panthers she said but we knew what we were about mm-hmm. we stuck with our people we stuck with our organization and we kept on yeah and yeah. that brought me so much hope. I'm mm. like, all right, it doesn't matter what other people think and believe. I have, if I am a stranger to them or an acquaintance, my influence isn't really going to do much. Yeah. But my, my, my listening, my support, my care, that is going to make a difference in my group, my community, my circle. Mm-hmm. And I have to be long-term minded. I can't be short-term minded. Yeah. Or I'm going to get discouraged. Yeah, that's really important because I think... I'm very much, I'm like, I want this solved in my lifetime. Like, I want this taken care of now. There's all these posts right now of these, like, little kids in the mm-hmm. street marching and we're, like, with their fist up. or And it's, it's like, really cute, but also something about it is so sad in mm-hmm. that, like, uh, this little black boy or girl is, like, in this, mm-hmm. in this chain. And when they should be at home playing, when they should be, like, mm-hmm. hanging out with their family, you know? So I, like, I, it's so easy to, like, want the short term because that's where it's like all the problems are solved then but it is it has been going on for so long and we're just the next iteration of fighting oppression and fighting the white supremacy really um so we'll do our best going forward Mm-hmm. And just to go back a little bit to what you were saying, I think even in those groups where people don't want your allyship, they don't want your support, they're even good can come out of that of like as long like if they're taking care of their people mm-hmm. and like giving safe space so that they can process. Yeah. And not because I think what happens sometimes is people don't process or they take in a lot of mm-hmm. um, upsetting things and then it explodes out in ways that are not great yeah so you know even if you're a listener and you're like hey i'm in that camp like i was in that camp for a little while Mm -hmm. i grew out of it because i saw the love around me and i saw the value of diverse friends and people and all just diversity as a whole yeah so we're all doing our best (laughs) we're all trying to figure it out and we're all doing what we can to love each other, to listen, and to support, I think. And I think just like what Leo said earlier, I would really encourage you listeners to have conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been seeing a lot of posts and hashtags on social media saying silence is being complicit mm-hmm. or like to be silent is to be racist, mm-hmm. that kind of narrative. And I, I, I think that language is very strong. I think it could be easily misconstrued. Hmm. Um, I think to be silent is to be a bystander. Hmm. What was the Thomas Jefferson quote? Evil prospers when good men do nothing. Yeah. I think that's the, the heart behind those hashtags. Mm -hmm. But I want to be clear. Being silent doesn't mean you're not posting about this on your social media, right? Like you don't Mm -hmm. have to go out there and post all the right things or hashtag the right things. Yeah. Um, I would say just, Next time you're having a conversation and you have questions, speak up. Yeah. Next time you hear somebody say something that you don't agree with, 
just let them know you don't agree with it. Mm-hmm. My cousin on my on my white side of my family, she works in a hospital. And she made a video post on her story the other day that I really loved. She was saying, you know, I've been seeing a lot of these posts that, like, silence is pro-racism. And she's like, I just want to let you guys know that my silence on my social media account is because I work in a hospital. Mm-hmm. I've been working 12 to 16-hour days around the clock. Um, and she lives in Minneapolis. She's like, so that people who are getting injured at these protests or these rallies wow. have access to health care. Oh, dang, yeah. Um, and so she's like, I am not silent. I'm working. Hmm, and mm-hmm. so my actions are my words. My actions is my support. Yeah. Um, not my social media. Yeah. And so I, I thought that was a really powerful example of, hey, if you don't want to post this, that's fine. But still have those conversations, still support people, listen to people. Yeah. Sometimes listening, listening is not silence. Mm-hmm. And so there are so many other ways besides social media to use your power, your privilege, your influence yeah. um, to be supportive. We could actually probably, I feel like we need to take that to a full episode because I have a lot of thoughts on silence too and what it means to be a bystander mm. in this. Because, yeah, I'm not going to generalize it to the point of like, if you're a bystander, you're evil. But I think there are, there's a difference between silence and then ignorance or mm-hmm. like the type of silence that is for listening and the type of silence that's, I'm getting shout down. So I don't want to, I'm not going to say anything else. It's almost like a, a passive aggressive silence. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll have a full episode on that. That was a lot. It was a lot. That wasn't even all of it. No, but if um, we're going to wrap it up, cause we know you guys, your commute's not this long or <laughs> you're not in the gym this long. If you're Especially someone like if you're me, teleworking. Yeah. <laughs> but one thing I would do want to say that I think is very different this time around is that I've had people reach out to me and check on me that mm-hmm. were not in my inner circle of people. And they were very much like, Hey, I just want to like let you know I'm thinking about you or praying wow. about you. And I just want to say thank you so much to those people because, and you know who you are. Um, <laughs> I, before all this did not feel comfortable bringing up race conversations unless mm-hmm. I was first asked. I didn't know that I could expect people to care about me and want to know how I was doing. Like wow. I thought it was something I had to do on my own or like with you, Beth, like we would process mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. So thank you to those people, one, for caring, but also for you have now in my life turned something around where I am no longer going to be quiet about these things to make other people comfortable. Mm. Like, (laughs) I'm not doing it anymore, and I'm not going to wait for someone to ask me my opinion. If they're having a conversation that I purely think is ignorant or racist, like, I'm going to jump in. Um, So thank you, guys. Like, we're always learning and growing, and I think this is growth that I didn't even know I needed, you know? Yeah. I want to say thank you to everyone who's told me their story. Mm. Thank you to my husband and my mother-in-law for telling your stories to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and thank you to everyone else who's willing to listen. Uh-oh. Dog's, dog's mad. <laughs> we gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you, listeners. Thank you for being here. Feel free to reach out. Um, Feel free to send us posts or questions, resources, comments. We'd be more than happy to do a whole episode on it, to mm-hmm. repost it. You can follow us on Twitter at We Are Both And, Instagram at We Are Both And. That's right. Well, we got an Instagram now, guys. Everybody's on Instagram, so now, so are we. <laughs> <laughs> Forgive us in advance for inconsistently posting. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we love you, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>